You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out how to join our new Discord group and support the show at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Us, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Patrick. This is Hannah. This is Joe. Sarah. And Megan. And today we have a special guest, Danny. Tell a little bit about yourself and your personal relationship with Yoshihiro Tagashi, and get deep and personal, as personal as you possibly can get. Like, we want the nitty-gritty, deep and dirty. The the deep and dirt? Oh, <laughs> all deep right. Deep and dirty. Well... Uh, I'm Danny. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, so I'm three hours in the future. Uh, let's see. Me and, uh, to- to- yeah, well, Togashi are Togashi. our best buds. Togashi? All right. I, I yeah. don't know how to pronounce his name, so that's the first sign that maybe Yo- I'm just not. Just call him Yoshi. That you guys close. are on first name basis. Just call him Yoshi. All right, Yoshi. So so Yoshi and I, uh, you know, I ride on his back. No, Yu Yu Hakusho, I love that show. When I when it was airing on Toonami in middle school or so, I got into it. Um, and then it switched to Adult Swim or something. Honestly, I don't remember. But I watched that a lot. It was one of my favorite anime uh, growing up. And then I discovered Hunter Hunter, uh, you know, in 2015 or something when it was airing. And I watched it. And it's definitely, like, top three all-time favorites. It's, it's amazing. Um, so, me... Just watching all of like the progression of like people getting really strong is just something about the it's addictive almost. And like his storylines, they they uh go into philosophy and they go into you know what the meaning of like friendship and family and all these things that like we discuss, but in a way that is um almost diff- it's different than America, right? So like you get to see the perspective of an international uh mindset and also to uh really just connect with a character that does something and never quits. So. Thanks. Oh, I love, shit. I love that you love my opinion. That's good. Yeah. You, you have, you have a good opinion. I love your opinion. <laughs> good opinions. Good, good onion. <laughs> I like your onions. Like the onions. Anyways, uh, last time gone and Killua got some R and R back on whale Island and learned more relatively speaking about guns Mysterious no-show daddy, Ging. You're G- Jing. John, Gon, Ging, Gong, cool. But uh, anyways, <laughs> challenged by Ging to find him, Gon and Kula head off to New York City. York New City. A common mistake. Gon and Kula head off to York New City, where they'll meet up with Karapika. And not, and not Leorio, because he's a creeper. Oh, Today, yeah, you're supposed to we'll see how Karapika and his hunt for... <laughs> Oh, what were you saying? Oh, I forgot that they're supposed to meet up with Luario. Oops. <laughs> wow, you're pulling a. You're really treating him like Kuwabara. Anyways, <laughs> he basically is. Let's be honest here. Not yet. Anyways, today we'll see how Krapika and his hunt for employment has been going, and hopefully it's a lot better than the current situation nowadays, uh, where a lot of my friends don't have jobs. But uh, let's not get into that right now. Let's talk about. The UU, uh, the the Hunter Hunter show thing. In preparation for the Phantom Troop arc, we'll also talk about the different biblical and historical narratives on Jesus and the Apostles. You better get ready.
Also, I almost called. I almost said bro, broblical or bi, bi, uh, bi, bi, biblical. What? Don't worry. Bibliographical. Bibli- yeah, bibliographical. Bibliographical. History. Yeah. These are real things. Yeah. Um. So for the episode, it's episode thirty-nine. Wish. Uh, American English title is Wish and X and X Promise. Um, Japanese is Nagai Tochikai. Um, I, at first, when I read this, I was like, that's not a direct translation. Nagai means long and Chikai means close. And I was like, that doesn't make sense either. But Nagai and Chikai also mean wish and essentially promise. Uh, so it's it's a it's a translation. <laughs> That's Wait, is interesting... it one of those things where they have the same sound but different kanji, or are they the same yeah. kanji and it's just multiple meaning? No, same sound, different kanji. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like a homonym, right? Yes. I don't know if that's what it's called in Japanese, but yeah, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> in English, I'd call that a homonym. Um, yeah, because chikai means close, but like if you use the correct kanji, it means there's. It's another word for promise, but um, vow. Oh vowel, man, I, I really wish I had done the kanji analysis this week because this sounds like it would have been a good one. Yeah, this might have been a good one. I'm pretty sure nagai means long because if you're like nagai mono, like a nagai mono, I think is a long potato. No, nagai mono is just long thing. <laughs> long nagai potato. A nagai mono is long, a long potato. <laughs> a long potato is. Um, have you ever had a uh, fun food fact? Nagai mo. That's what it's called. It's um, a long potato, and you grate it down, and you put it in. Um, Konomiyaki, I think. No, what's the pancake? Yeah, that that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, is it a makes pancake. it kind of chewy and fluffy, and like it's mm-hmm. a really necessary ingredient because if you just use like pancake batter, it's gonna taste like a fucking pancake um, mm. for some reason. But like, it just it's sticky and like, um, I don't know, wet. It doesn't yeah. sound great. It sounds that's like a wop. The... Yeah. And... But... Wait, what? <laughs> what? Did you just make fun of me? Yeah, I could have. Oh my god! I'm pretty sure he, he just she just used the W word. What? It's all good, man. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I thought we thought you said the racial slur for Italian, which is a W word, which I'm not going to say out loud. Wait, what? Is it's there W O P. Anyways. Oh, I was referring to wet, wet ass pussy. Wet on. But... Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, wait. I, I got I got a story about about <laughs> the the W word. The d- <laughs> okay, so did you guys ever watch C Lab 2021? No. Yeah. Bits and pieces. Okay, there's an episode where a character makes popcorn using Whoppers and popcorn, so he melts Whoppers onto popcorn and refers to them as Whopcorn, and I said that out loud, and my dad pulled me aside, and he's like, what did you just say? Because <laughs> my dad's half Italian, and he's like, we can't be using that word. We just can't. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, Wop, you know, without papers, like an old slur for Italian people, and I'm like... No, that's not at all what I was saying. He's like, what were you saying? And I showed him the clip and he's like, okay, just still never say this again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I honestly, I learned something. I learned a new slur today, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you want to make fun of Irish, oh call, them, call them mix. Well, yeah, let's never, let's never make the description for this episode. Today, we learn a new slur. <laughs> today, we get racist. Growing up, man, I thought that, uh, I thought Guinea Wop was like something that was like a, just a normal thing. My mom used to call my dad that all the time. Oh, my oh, God. Turn, turns out. Not so good. Wait, oh, oh okay. Wait, uh, I, I got a story similar. Um, my family, who is Asian, definitely uses the word chinky to describe people's eyes. And Ooh. like, yeah, it's it's weird. And it didn't become obvious to me how fucked up that was until I got to college and just said it. And then one of my friends who is Chinese was like, 
dude, have you ever thought about that? And I'm just like, yeah, but my family, oh my God. <laughs> True no, confessions. Our, our, a lot on, of people in our family too say it too. Well, it's like we're, we're Filipino. So it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, what's, it's either kind of differentiate between like who is like Chinese, Filipino, or has some more of those traits versus the more European and what's considered pretty and also different ethnic national tensions between the country that it just becomes like a very messy is it so we are all yeah. to say it i'm like ooh. <laughs> no what's even more fucked up is that my mom's family who's filipino is also chinese oh my god oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the only experience i have of that is i've been watching a lot of oz and they use a lot of those racial slurs like oh geez Bro, because aren't they racist in oz like aren't the characters uh, it, incredibly everybody's like... racist like they literally refer to each other i don't know if this is like the right way <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, like I can't believe, like, like I mean, it's like, dang, they use that a, like, it's like they're making up slurs that I haven't heard in years, like shit. Well, I mean, I learned a new one today. Lesson yeah. learned. Uh, oops. All right. Uh, so, Joe, play that. Anyway, so, oh, wait, oh my so god, wait, that, uh, Megan, is the wait. reason you brought this up is because the episode title is just WAP. The <laughs> like, yeah. Thirty-nine. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Wish no and way. promise. No way. Oh my w- god, it is. AP. Wish and promise. Wet ass pussy or what is? Jesus Christ. Without well, I papers? guess we got to redo the episode then. I... Sorry. What is that? What it means without papers? Oh yeah, yes, yes. Anyways, yeah. traditionally, okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, so it was originally released the episode thirty nine of Hunter x Hunter. Back to that was originally released in Japan in on July fifteenth, twenty twelve. Um, the equivalent manga chapters are sixty seven and eighty three, which are released in Japan on November twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. And the equivalent 1999 chapter or episodes are 48, 49, 45, and 56, which were released in Japan on December 2nd, 2000. So, yeah. Nice. So, Jojo, would you say that Tagashi's uh, Surfer Freak seven days a week, wishing promises, make his drawing game weak? Yeah, maybe that's why the current hiatus happened. He injured his back doing seven days a week. Anyways. <laughs> on to the episode. So the episode starts off with Karapika. He's applying for a hunter job while Gon and Kilua are heading off to Whale Island. Um, so Whale there's Island. this flashback um, to the freelance agency from six weeks ago. Um, so there's a woman behind the desk and she is testing Karapika and says that you don't have any men, so we can't get you a job. Um, and to test this, she produces basically what's like a Gengar with men. Um, he can't see it, so that shows that he hasn't passed the actual real hunter exam. And she Wait, says, was it was it a was it a Gengar or was it more of a hunter, like a hunter hunter? Uh, it was a ghost type. Regardless, <laughs> I don't remember oh, hunter, exactly. Hunter. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it looked like. Um, but so he gets turned away, and Karapika's just very upset and confused. And he encounters a man in a gi who uh, manages to steal his hunter exam or license under his nose, and uh, 
the guy ends up being Karapika's teacher um, about on Nen, and yeah, so turns out Karapika, his Nen type, he is conjuring, so he's a conjurer. Um, his Nen master lays down some very confusing rules. Uh, for example, as a conjurer, you can't conjure anything supernatural. You can't conjure anything that exceeds the bound of human capacity. Real quick, who took mm-hmm. these notes and did you watch the dub or sub? Uh, I watched, it was me, I watched the dub with English subtitles. Okay, the manga says something quite different we'll talk about later, so I'm. these are really confusing. Yeah, no, they're very confusing. That's the thing, like, I've watched this several times and I always, like, yell at the TV every time because i'm like that's fucking wrong yeah, <laughs> and then they conjured like, dude, everything conjured is super supernatural and then like later in this this exact arc they go into something that i don't want to spoil it but is legitimately what is quote-unquote supernatural yeah no there's like three people who are conjurers during this season where it's like you could not do this within the bounds of human capacity what are yeah. you talking about and like this like i mean they they bring up the weapon thing right but like yeah like there are definitely weapons and things that are not even in the same episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. We will, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking I'm like, what are you saying? Okay. Continue. So that's, it's just, that's why it's confusing. That's why I was like, I don't know every time, every time I listen to this. Sorry. Yeah. It makes me think like the Kropika really meet a real man master or is he being like a, is he being tricked <laughs> by I'm this random dude? I'm a self-taught nin, nin teacher. No, dude, he's learning street karate. Street karate. <laughs> he's he's he met Cobra Kai, and that's who he's oh learning God. from. <laughs> wax on, wax off, karate. Oh, that's on. on Netflix now, by the way, Cobra Kai. Yeah, just in case you're. I need to watch <laughs> that. As do I. Uh, yeah, but no, it's it's kind of weird. Like the the that whole thing is like, I mean, like how weak are we talking though? When they say like the conjuring will be a little bit weaker. Is it like by like maybe a little bit or is it like a lot of bit? Wait, do you mean, mean like if you make a conjured weapon versus like a regular sword? Yeah. Literally ignore whatever he said. <laughs> okay, because right. I was gonna say, I, I mean I mean I guess, but as long as it penetrates the skin, how strong does it need to be? I mean, unless you're trying to I think the general thing that you should take away from it is don't make just a regular sword because like then you yeah. could just have bought a fucking sword. That's, I got yeah, that you. Is so true. just make sure you yeah, like true. give it like some some like cool racing stripes on it then. Yeah, yeah e- either that or like make it from a material that is like unnaturally light, but still like fabric, s- but still hard. Yeah, fabric. Like I mean, fabric. fabric sword. Just make it G Gundam, dude. Fucking Master yeah. Asia up in here. Shining finger, rubber gum. Oh yes, Bungie gum. <laughs> but uh, continue, Sarah. And so. We flash forward and learn that Kurapika has one goal in mind, and it's to get to the York New City auction. Um, he goes back to the, what was it, the employment office? <laughs> I forgot the exact name. And she, the lady there offers three positions um, for base employment that's only for, only going by interviews versus experience. Um, and one in particular catches his attention, and that is the job request for da 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 the flesh collector. And it's just as exact; it's exactly as it sounds. 
That sounds like a, a horror movie, The Flesh Collector. It really it is, though. It, I mean, it, it is. Like... Yeah, they're, they're, they haven't seen it yet, but, like, it is. It is. So is that going to be the next movie we watch, Joe? Oh, my God. Is there a movie called The Flesh Collector? I'm sure I mean, there, there is. Be. Is it uh, what's that one on Shutter. We are, all all we are not y'all sponsored. Should real, <laughs> y'all should get ready for some uh, body horror, because uh, there's a lot of it this season. Oh, God. Also my favorite. It's not too bad, though, honestly. It's, like, PG body horror. I mean, some fish inside, some indoor fish, if you will, would beg to differ. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, huh? <laughs> some fish that live inside a room. On, like, body horror, is it, like, Junji Ito style body no. horror? So the that's... manga gets to that point, the anime not as much. Okay. Fish who live but in yeah, a continue. room? But yeah, continue. Um, so... I think we talked about before, so when Crappy is learning more about conjuring and he's talking with his master, Kropika decides what he wants to conjure is chains. You know, because <laughs> he's a baddie. <laughs> he wants to... <laughs> he's, got, he's got a thing. He's got a chain fetish. In the anime, it, at least in the English dub, it's so corny. He's like... I want to conjure chains because some people deserve to be chained to hell. Yes. Yeah. It's so <laughs> 90s dub. They so. actually have that same line in the uh, the manga. Oh, and it's relevant. Really? <laughs> it's true. It's relevant. Does that mean that Krapi is confirmed as the next Ghost Rider? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Nicolas Cage is Krapi. <laughs> my eyes are glowing. Okay, continue. <laughs> so, so um, after taking the job for the flesh collector, Karapika passes um, Melody, who notices that he has a heartbeat of rage. Um, and he goes to this mansion where he is chased by a bunch of Dobermen, and he manages to go inside, and we are introduced to the rest of the candidates. So there is a woman who can control any person that she kisses and turns them into her instant love slave, basically. So, and they'll follow anything that she says. Um, there is also a Kuwabara-esque 80s macho man who writes haikus and can punch really hard. And there is also a man with a bunch of dogs and a ginger head man with very prominent sideburns. Real, real quick note: uh, the Kuwabara-like man Basho is named after one of the most famous haiku poets and samurai of like his era. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that kind of makes sense now. <laughs> this is why we listen to this podcast. Yeah. Facts. I, I actually know that. Do you guys remember the show Hysteria? Yeah, I remember that show. The one that's by the guys that did Animaniacs, right? Yeah, so they had an episode about writers throughout history, and it was like a Justice League type thing, and Basho was on the Council of Evil, or whatever the fuck it's called, and he would just complain about like people's works being too long, because he was a haiku, haiku poet, and he would just like cut the scripts apart with his sword, and be like, too long! Me. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, um, and so... When Kropika appears, oh, Melody's also there too. And so when Kropika arrives, that's when um, the the client 
um, introduces himself, not in person, but by video. And he gives them the instructions that they are to find one item from a list um, for the boss. And they're each given like this own little in device. I'm not really sure how to describe it. To me, it looked kind of like a like a iP like a iPod touch almost <laughs> like the thin ones. And so scrolling through, you can see the different items, quote unquote. Like one was a braid of an actress, the other was an arm of a mummy, and one that really catches Kropika's attention is the scarlet eyes of a Kurta, complete set with a head is preferred. And yeah, he is not happy about that one, as you can imagine. And, um... He just pops out his eyes and delivers his, like, here you guys go. Am I in? (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's terrifying. (laughs) I don't know if it's, like, mentioned necessarily in the anime at this point, but, like, his eyes going red, but, like, it's not, because he's wearing contacts, like, colored contacts over it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's ever mentioned. It's just that, like, at first, when I first watched it, I was like, does anyone notice that this dude's a Kurita? Because, like, <sighs> yeah. he's obviously glowing it's red. Later. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's, it's less obvious in the manga and 99, where they, like, straight up have the contacts covered entirely, and the only reason Melody notices is because of his heartbeat. Mm, okay. That makes sense. So just yeah, more, cause... like, 2011 oh. was like, we need a little bit more visual flair to show that he's... Yeah. Yes, I think it was a mistake, though. No. (laughs) When I was watching, I was like, yeah, when I was watching the episode, I was like, bruh, you're like giving yourself away to all these hunters that want the exact thing that's in your eyeballs. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if you want something even worse, he's literally wearing traditional Kurta clothing, so I don't understand how he thinks he's blending in. It's it's like, hi, everybody. I'm totally not a Kurta. I hopefully can find and hunt this Kurta Kurta. He just just playing cultural appropriation. I just love the culture. (laughs) It's like like when people wear the the African patterns, but like made by Forever 21. Oh my god. I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining him being uh, like them being like, "Yeah, man, it's pretty fucked up. You're wearing that shit." He's like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "Yeah, that Curtis stuff. Like, we're we're trying to find their eyes. You don't have to fucking try to blend in with them." He's like, "Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I am a racist. <laughs> it's appreciation, not appropriation. The cursest. God damn it." <laughs> and I feel like I do like that about Karafika because it seems like he's so calm and collected and he is obviously very intelligent, but there's just some things that he just doesn't get in the fact that I think before when he got kind of mad at the um almost bratty with the <laughs> with his nun instructor about being like, What do you mean I can't do this? I'm gonna do it anyway. I yeah, don't know. He's, it's he's nice kind of like not really immature. completely perfectly smart about things. Yeah, for sure. I think he's very immature in some ways, which really go- comes off, but I think that's what makes it a little bit of com- more of a complex character in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so Kurapika, he decides that he's going to go infiltrate the flesh collectors and in order to eradicate them. So he really wants to be able to get to the auction um, in order to do that, and also to find the spiders and eliminate them. So, but before he can do that, um, he 
and the other uh and the other hunters need to escape from the mansion alive. So as they're told by the boss, the only requirement they need to have for this position is strength. And last minute, they are all attacked by a bunch of armed assailants um, who bust into the room in robes and, like, they give them a good old fight. Uh, the episode ends with Kurapika, like, basically deflecting a bunch of bullets with his chain, right? Right. So it kind of goes, so this is how, like, the fight, because the episode, it goes into so the armed silence who are all mysteriously roped aren't actually people they're all men <laughs> wait i think that's isn't that next episode that's oh, next, that's next episode. episode you're bleeding yeah, yeah, yes, 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 sorry <laughs> i think i must have Kurapika. it almost yeah. mixed into one episode this, for me yeah, yeah. it basically yeah. ends with like a thing crashing through and everyone's just ready to fight and then yeah. the okay goes, like, so yeah you could probably pick out <laughs> some of that sorry yeah, no worries. It's all good. Yeah, I I understand you probably watched the next episode because it's a fucking cool cliffhanger and you're like, oh shit. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Patrick, uh, go for the manga notes, man. Alrighty, so the first big difference is, I don't know if maybe I misremembered it, but uh, in the manga, he had two two young women in like kimonos like surrounding him while he's talking on the video screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that showed, a, did that show in the, the anime or was, did I no. not? It's not in 2011. no. It is yeah. a 99. Oh. Yeah. So uh, he had those two beautiful women next to him, like, on his shoulders while he's telling everybody the rules. Uh, one other big difference is um, one of the guys next to him, I think they are the sideburns, was saying that he looks pale and commented on uh, commented on the killing, and Crappy's like, don't talk to me. And uh, he was super rude to that guy. Oh, no, that's, I think that's Basho. That is, is that Basho? He looks it's so different. Basho. So when Basho first shows up, he doesn't look much like Kuwabara, and then through the course of the manga, begins to look more and more like Kuwabara. Gotcha. Yeah, and then the the next clip, uh, for some reason, the, the shooters kind of like, they have these weird robes that kind of look really uncomfortable. Like, they look like, like, like they look like clan, clan outfits almost, which is, uh. Like something, yeah, a cross between a ninja and a clan outfit, but all black with like little yeah. holes cut up. Or like, I guess those like suits that protect you from radiation. Yeah, it's a rad suit. at the top. A rad yeah. suit. Yeah, I see all of these things. I just call yeah. it rad. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Half-Life up in here. Hell yeah. HEV Mark II. Uh, anyways, and then the, the show more violence, they show the, the butler getting his ass shot in. Like just yeah, getting like shot the day just pulls him up. She pulls him up as a human shield in in the other versions, I think, but here he just takes a bullet straight to the face and dies immediately. Yeah. A lot more violent. And also then, I like course, how in the background you can see uh Melody just like dive undercover. Yeah, on the table with the little figurines, yeah. And then now for the remote you're waiting for, our Egyptian travel log number four. Let's get some about for anyone who wasn't who didn't listen to last week, this is Togashi and uh, Takeuchi on their delayed honeymoon going to Egypt. All right, so I'll read that out. All right, we went to see a whole lot of tombs. There's a mass of royal tombs concentrated in the place called the ne- Necropolis. That's yeah. kind of creepy. Uh, there are no tombstones. There's just holes in the ground. Most tourists pick three or so famous ones to look at. We went to the Valley of Kings, the Valley of Queens, and the Tomb of the Nobles, and looked at 15 tombs in all. Our guide was probably wondering why we'd want to see all these things that looked basically the same. That's what we thought, too, until we got there. They really are different. 
There might be a disrespectful reaction towards somebody's grave, but I must say they were highly intriguing. And they were bright. It could have been the lights, but the decorative walls were very vivid. I couldn't feel any negative impression of death. I'm not sure if that's because of their firm belief in resurrection. The interior of the tombs were highly personalized, and we never tire of looking at them. There were some tombs with layouts that that I would like for my own house. That's kind of kind of weird to Gashi, but not surprising. What we found surprising was how small King Toot Toot King Toot's tomb was. I'm just calling him King Tut. Is that who Toot it is? Toot in common. Toot in yeah, common. Toot in is common. that Tut? King Tut. Yep. You never watched uh, the you know that old mummy movie with uh, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, did you? <laughs> that came up last week. <laughs> I, I, I only know the uh, I only I only am only uh, familiar with uh, the famous uh, the Scorpion uh, the famous song King Tut by uh, Steve Martin. Oh, okay, that, that works. Good <laughs> song. But yeah, uh, yeah. How small King Tut's tomb was. He became famous because so many treasures were found in his tomb untouched. But we were able to see for ourselves that that was comparatively weak in power as a pharaoh. If some other pharaoh's tombs had discovered un- been discovered unscathed, the name Tut would have been relegated to a corner of a brochure. Yet it was still amazing. The sheer number of burial accessories displayed at the Egyptian museum was mind-boggling. We can't even imagine the jewels that had been stolen from the other pharaoh's tombs. There's no way to know. So... Real quick, earlier you mentioned the phrase necropolis seems creepy. Do you know what the literal translation of it is? City of the dead? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. It's it's death city, but like, yeah, it's effectively that. So it's pretty fucking metal. It's my favorite Green Day song. I'm actually not joking. That actually has a song, City of the Dead, during their their uh, St. Jimmy, Saint, or is it the St. Jimmy uh, thing? Hmm. The, the medley thing? But anyways, uh, Another change they had is they actually show the comparison with the sword and the conjuring. They actually made it look a little bit more emphasized with this cool little graphic. And then they have this really cool foreshadowing with the spider where they're talking and they have the 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 goal is to capture the spiders talking about the the uh was it the the that group? Yeah. It honestly kind of looks I think I forgot their names. Oh sorry. It kind of looks like the spider just, I mean, I know it's foreshadowing, but because of the text bubble is over the spider, oh. <laughs> it looks like the spider's the one who's saying, I want chains that will hold a spider and will never allow it to escape, versus the spider in the foreground. Like, that actually, it very just occurred to me, it just occurred to me how spider-like Kurapika's power is. Oh. And I never thought about that, and I'm wondering if that's supposed to be something or not. It's like some Batman shit. <laughs> Uh, I meant more like becoming the thing you hate type thing. Yeah, Batman shit. It's oh, kind okay. of Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why he became Batman. He became the bat thing he hates or is scared of, and oh, pa- okay. emphasize emphasize that as his his weapon. I guess. Let's he just really needs to have a bunch second. of young orphans, pseudo orphans as his wards, and then yeah. mentally and he keeps creating them. them. Yeah, what the fuck is Batman's fucking problem? He's like, okay, I never wait, want wait. a child to go through this. Let me just take a small child and make them exactly like me. Okay, keeps creating them makes it sound like he is literally killing he people literally and is. taking the and taking the kids. Well, you're in, well, he doesn't kill the parents or anything, but the kids. He does regurgitate, not regurgitate. He, goes, he reproduces. <laughs> he did with one. <laughs> That's true. Rip so. Damian Wayne. Yeah, 
You go, oh, I thought you were talking about he did regurgitate. I was like, who did he regurgitate? Is that they, how he fed Robin? He goes through a lot of kids. <laughs> that's a bad way to put it, but there's a lot of I was going to say, protégés. that's a terrible way to put it, actually. There's, he's, got a, he's got a lot of protégés that no, but really, though, think are about it. They scarred. Only, you're right. They only last like three years yeah. at most. But they also, Before they're so scarred up, they fuck off and like go somewhere else. Like, but they also become badass superheroes too. Like we got, for a bit. we got Night Nightwing out yeah, of it. We got but the Red Mask. Incredibly damaged. Like they again, they the don't last. They die Wait, young. <laughs> who fucks up more kids, Batman or Professor Xavier? Oh. Uh, probably Professor. Ooh, mm. I'm, I'm gonna go Professor Xavier because I don't know. He actually helps them and tries to make them better people. While Bruce Wayne's like, oh, beat them up with a crowbar. Yeah, but but he does have the you know the orphans. Bruce Wayne does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. So I would say He's they're just... both about the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm. he because Bruce Wayne fucks them up worse, but Xavier a little bit less. He just has many more children. So quantity to goes ruin. to Professor Xavier. Oh my <laughs> God. Quality goes quantity to Bruce <laughs> of child soldier. All right. Anyway, continue. Man. Oh, speaking of that, we're sponsored by the New Mutants. Go to theaters today and see the new mutants in theaters now where all theaters are open. Harkins is open, guys, by the way. Yeah. Go. Also, well, I mean, like, if you guys want tickets, because now that I'm sick, I'm not going. Uh, Does anyone want to go see Tenet in my place? I'm I'm already going on, like, on Tuesday and Wednesday, unfortunately. Tuesday and Wednesday? Yeah. one, one One with my family and one with my friends. Yeah. Y'all be real careful, for real. Yeah, yeah I, well, I mean... I, I mean, thought about it this way. I eat in a restaurant, because I'm bad, and yeah. I'm a horrible person. But, like, wow. I'm actually... I physically... I know, I'm the worst. <laughs> but, like, I do eat in, like, restaurants, and I can't see a restaurant, a closed space indoor restaurant, where I'm much closer and much more frequented by people, being worse than a movie theater where I'm spread out and I'm not moving. So, and, Megan, uh, I get what you're saying, yeah. but that's comparison when the correct thing here would be addition you're doing yeah. it on top, <laughs> top of, of yeah yeah. True. yeah i mean i mean we're i think we're, we're, we both take it seriously it's not like oh we need to we live our lives and we're like i think we both take it super seriously with the masks and stuff i mean especially me me having it and probably megan if she probably doesn't have it but i mean just the idea i guess the scariness. i'm not chiding you guys it's more just like that's not personally what I'm planning on doing. No, oh, no, that's fine. Uh, we completely understand. We probably understand. shouldn't be opening things, but I really do feel for movie theaters, though. Yeah, like, for specifically sure. Specifically Harkins, which I don't know if you guys live. I don't know if there, there's no Harkins outside of Arizona. I'm pretty sure, really? right? I've I never th- heard th- of that. I think that. there's one yeah. in, in New Mexico. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, so but, basically Arizona, too. Yeah, Arizona. <laughs> Arizona point two plus Tijuana. But, like, no, um, Harkins is a local theater. In Arizona, just in case you're wondering. Okay. Um, from like the 30s, I think. It's been around for a really long time out here. Um, it's kind of like the Cineplexes in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the only yeah. local theater that's not. It's not you guys it's get the idea. You get it. It's a movie theater. Yeah. Any, okay. Anyways, <laughs> mo- local movie theaters. Go see New Mutants in theaters playing now. Speaking or, of comics, get back to the manga. Or get back to the manga. Speaking of coming, excuse me? I said comics. Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, I'm gonna see myself out. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, let's see. Um, what part corresp- yeah. Well, this part mostly corresponds to chapter 67. It flashes forward to chapter 83, which explains Karapika's Nen Master for the first time. 
60 Cent was, 60 Cent was released in November of 99, while 83 was released in July of 2000. So they skipped 255 days, or 32 weeks, or 7 months and 1 week, or 583 hours, 24 minutes, and 3 seconds. No. But uh, uh, the other difference is the trial goes on a bit differently as before the attack. No one shows off their powers, and the human shield Braze pulls up is immediately killed, as we showed by the body. And I have no idea how to pronounce that. Izuvani, a.k.a. Mizukin, does algebra to explain damage calculations between samples. Uh, uh, did you want to explain that, Joe? I was kind of yeah, really so ignorant with that stuff. Izunavi slash Mizuken, because he has different names in the manga and anime because of weird choices where Togashi did not name him until after the anime was over. So after they gave him the official name of Mizuken in 2011, he's like, oh man, that guy who's been around for like literally 20 years, uh, for like literally 16 years at this point, I'm going to name him something different than the official anime. Fuck you. It's Izunavi now. So he does algebra to explain damage calculations between sample attacks by a master enhancer and conjurer. And this is one of those times where I'm like, oh yeah, the manga really goes into math in a way the anime doesn't. So he makes an equation which is 100 defense points plus 60 spirit points minus 100 attack points plus 100 spirit points equals negative 40 health. <laughs> it's just straight up spelled out in the in the manga in just like a system of equations. Yeah, I was confused. I was like, uh, is this like is this like Pathfinder right now? <laughs> yes, he, yeah. he's then going to roll some dice. He's like, if you roll a natural 20, goes from there. Don't get um, nat 1 or else you will hit yourself in the face with your chains. <laughs> Yes, but then he uh, he also says something very cryptic and foreboding, which is joy, sadness, fear, hatred, carelessness, devotion, excitement, doubt, pleasure, shame, determination. All the emotions are capable of factoring into your nen. It might enable something beyond one hundred percent, but it's never a good i that's never a good thing, especially in combat. And uh, Danny, you finished the show before, right? Yes, I have twice. So Danny and Megan, you guys you guys feel that quote, huh? Oh yeah, of course. Obviously, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. another another different couple, two more differences. The last ones is a, uh, uh, it started out the manga with Kurapika going to the mansion with his with the chains in his hand fit his hands first, so it sort of shows off that he could do them before it explained how he could or wanted to, and then the uh, and then uh, it doesn't really show the other items that people want to gather, just just the crude eyeballs to trigger Kurapika, and uh, that's it on the differences. Do you want to go into the 99 notes, Joe? Uh, actually, I have a question. For 2011, do you guys remember if he materializes the chain while he's there, or if he has it and, like, sort of has the chain out when he, like, shows up? I think he just does it beforehand, because it looks like he doesn't, he just he just has it and is walking. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always... the reason I... Sorry? Sorry, I think it's displayed that he, at this point, he is always... He always has a chain on his hand. Okay, yeah. The reason I ask is I think later in the series they make a specific big deal about the idea of, like, conjurers should never, like, conjure in front of people because if they do, it reveals that they're a conjurer rather than a uh, rather than a manipulator or an enhancer who can, like, yeah. channel into an item. So it's very dangerous to conjure in front of people because then it gives you a better idea of their abilities. Yeah. They... I know exactly what you're talking about. He, like, Kurpika specifically himself explains, like, why he does the things he does eventually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, I will read this, but there's a barking dog that is barking a lot right now, and you guys are hearing it, I assume? Yep. I hear the yeah, dog's so barking. I'll give it a sec. Kathy's gonna handle Yona. I'll, I'll edit this part out with 
Unless you want to, like, hang out and listen to Yoda's beautiful noises. I do. <laughs> I think she stopped, but give it just, like, a couple more seconds in case she decides to start barking again. What's she saying, Joe? The dog whisperer? Uh, she's, uh, saying that Timmy, um, a local boy, is okay. stuck in, uh, a well. Man, you still have wells out in non-rural Phoenix, Arizona? Uh, yeah, totally. I'm not just quoting Lassie. No. Yeah, it had nothing to do with Ricky Dicky Tembo, No So Rimbo, Charged by Ruchi, Pickberry Pembo. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> hey, did they, did, is is, your, is, a, is Lassie the one where they shoot the dog in the in the uh, shed? Is that really? No, it's Old Yeller. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not. Ju- what the fuck? Anyways, I'm I'm pretty sure. Didn't they shoot Lassie at the end of it? No, I could I could have sworn they all. No, that, that is Old Yeller. That is. I, oh, I honestly, Pat, I was on the same boat with you. I thought they shot Lassie too. What the yeah. fuck, guys? I'm That's pretty sure they, they shot Lassie. Lassie? Where's the talking horse? I'm gonna Google it. That's oh, Mr. he got Ed. shot too. <laughs> Mr. Ed got shot too at the end of the series. That's sort of how all the 50 happened. series ended. They I just shot it, the animal. I think that's in real life. They probably tried it. Oh, you know, they, they absolutely shoot real Mr. Ed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This Eventually. cast is like probably the most fucked up one we we've, we've covered: racism, animal abuse. Damn. <laughs> well, if you believe this one Chappelle show skit about Mr. Ed, racist animal abuse. <laughs> Oh. Did you, no, no, because Jesus in that one, they're Christ. like, oh, yeah, Mr. Ed was actually a horrible racist, and it shows him as, like, one of the horses in the clan. <laughs> oh I remember this sketch now. Anyways, uh, so 1999, speaking of the past. Um, so in this, the equivalency skips uh, 46 and 47 here because 2011 already did them. So basically, this kind of fast forwards past a couple uh, episodes of 99. And so the massive skip in episode 56 is in parallel to the equivalency, the equivalent skip in the manga where he's training with Izunavi and that doesn't get revealed till much later in the older ones, which happens early in 2011. Reminder, uh, Kurapika met Izunavi early in 1999, just like in 2011, but also met Melody on a train in episode 45. So he met Melody earlier in the 99 version because I think they want to play up Melody as like the cool... Kurapika's cool bro here. <laughs> Do they ever say Izunavi, which is Kurapika's teacher, right? Do they ever say his name in the 2011? Because I never no. got his name. It's only right? in a guidebook, which makes the decision to give him a new name in the manga even weirder. Oh. Wait, so he didn't have a name in the manga either. He's, he was referred to in the community as Kurapika's master for years. Interesting. Okay, that's okay, but then recently. He's Izunabi. Like, yeah, that's recently, a- like, after the anime, after the 2011 anime, they released a guidebook that's like, oh, fuck it, his name's uh, Mizuken. And then, like, right after that, Togashi released a chapter of the manga that's like, his name's Izunabi, actually, fuck you. <laughs> wow, that's just retcon that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very weird choice. Interesting. But um, the atmosphere of this version's... Sorry? Oh, oh I, I thought just someone said, said something. I just said interesting, that's it. Ah. Uh, the atmosphere of this version is a bit different, where they play like a haunting piano piece over uh, a gothic version of the mansion instead of its portrayal in 2011, which is a lot brighter. Like, it's like a dark, stormy day when they get to the mansion here. And then a famous, like, fucking 1999 exclusive meme scene happens where Baze shows up and first greets Kurapika by saying, Do you want to kiss me? It's a common way to greet people in Chicago. <laughs> and then she Actually, said, that's it's legit. called... He's the, uh, she then says, it's called instant love, to which Kurapika responds, I didn't grow up in that city. Oh my god. <laughs> god. Does he say 
specifically wow. Chicago. That's so random. Speaking that, like, of Chicago, like the real city, American city of yeah. Chicago. Well, you know, they're in York New, and she's feeling, like, really uh, an inferiority complex because she's from Chicago. And, like, you know, Chicago always wants to think it's in the same league as L.A. and New York, but it's it's really not as much as I love it. She's like, yeah, there we don't put ketchup on hot dogs. I don't know what's going on. I just want her to be the most pizza. Chicago motherfucker on the planet. We're just going to fight about pizza for the next half hour. <laughs> I, I, I throw pants. Okay, so, honestly, though, I agree with Chicago's food. One, deep dish pizza isn't pizza, but it's delicious. And two, uh, yeah, fuck ketchup. It's disgusting. Yeah, Agreed. I'm not a big wow. fan of ketchup either. Oh, no. So I love Chicago <laughs> food, but I, I definitely agree with the it's a different thing. Um, it's like you order it ahead of time and expect to have your whole day fucked up by Chicago pizza, and I love it. Yeah, that's like acid reflux just knocking on my door. Yes. But yeah, um, it's kind of funny. The last anime I just watched was... Based in Chicago, Gunsmith Cats. Oh, I don't know anything about Gunsmith Cats. That takes place in Chicago, like real life Chicago? Yeah, real life Chicago. They actually, they drive around a Mustang GT500. But yeah, go watch, it's like a three OP, episode OVA. Go watch that, oh, guys, if you cool. never watched Gunsmith Cats. Nice. Um. So in this version, Basho looks like Kuwabara, like in the 2011 version. And unlike the manga where he starts, a, it just occurred to me, manga Basho looks like a cross between Kuwabara and Chu. I see it. But he gradually evolves to look into basically just Kuwabara, but with the facial hair. Uh, so here, Kurapika is uh, getting pissed, and it, sh- it isn't shown with the red eyes. It's only shown with him looking pissed off. And then Melody... No, he's not even looking pissed off. He's just kind of looking, like, ready. And then Melody notices that there's, like, this insane rage in his heart. So uh, Delzone, the uh, guy who you think is the client right now, starts playing piano as everyone lounges around before the hooded guy breaks it, before the hooded guys break in. So he's, he's just playing the piano. He's like, oh, yeah, what the, what the fuck? And, you know, he's just playing this, like, loud song that becomes the background music for the fight scene. And then there's a series of slightly different events that occurs. So, uh, spoilers, but there's two dudes who turn out to be plants in the group. And they do a lot of things to try to propel the others to make mistakes. They're like, hey, how about you just open that door that has nothing behind it? Just open the door. You know, shit like that. Like That's weird. Some, uh, hunter exam shit. Yeah, exactly. And then the crew decides to wait six minutes because basically in this version, they're like, oh, yeah, if you don't do anything in six minutes, something bad's going to happen. And so they're like, well, why would we try to proactively do anything in those six minutes? Because none of us know each other. We don't know who's affiliated with what. So we might as well just wait and let our fists decide as opposed to try to coordinate with people who might be double agents. So like, I think it's an interesting idea, but it's not played off super well because it wasn't actually seated in the original version. And then... Everything ends up, like, actually the fight starting because Basho's like, I don't know, man, I'm going to go take a piss or something. And he opens the bathroom door, and as he's opening it, a bunch of swords come through, and then the guys in ho- the hooded figures break through the bathroom, and Basho does, like, a triple backflip handspring behind a couch. And that's that's where then the uh, chain-spinning scene happens. Oh, no, it's not the chain-spinning scene. So in 2011, when he deflects the bullets, he's just spinning his chain around, which looks really lame. But in the manga, he's doing, like, a bunch of different whip movements. So 99 preserves that and has him do the full animation, which looks sick as hell. And then uh, the episode 56 has the more detailed Izunavi scene, and he warns Kurapika the idea that even if he beats the Phantom Troop, he won't necessarily gain much from it. And he sort of says the line about, like, you know, the problem with chains is that you might end up chaining yourself. 
Yeah. So that's kind of the, the different versions. I, I guess, like, how did you guys feel about this episode? Clearly, some of you were enjoying it because you proceeded on to the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. That was intense. It was so intense. I really like, I think it's like a nice change of pace um, from like the whole Heaven's Arena arc. Like, I mean, obviously high stakes with both, but it's kind of fun seeing like the motivation differences with like Gon and Kiloa versus like Karapika. Like Karapika's the traditional I'm here to get revenge type of guy. And my fiance was watching this with me and he has not watched any of the Heaven's Arena episodes. So, oh, I so just he think- watched up to Heaven's Arena and then skipped that because I have a feeling he's ultra confused. I explain enough to him, like, yeah, this is Nen. He loves, he actually really enjoys Karapika. Yeah, and, boy. Yeah, basically, he's like, yeah, fuck revenge, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, um, it's it's really fun. Um, as it's kind of, um, it's like, like, kind of has a darker edge, obviously, because like Karapika is like more way more intense it's like there's a slightly lighter note with like Gon and Kiloa even with like the let's say the last fight with Hisoka and like Karapika's like straight into like um I need my revenge blood will be on my hands <laughs> and like all this stuff um my fiance said that like he's a better Sasuke all this other stuff so I don't know. I'm excited. It's like really exciting. I definitely agree with the feeling of better Sasuke, but I mean, in terms of his situation, in terms of personality, they're super different, but situation, yeah. yeah. Situation, for sure. Yeah. So uh, an interesting note, this started seven months after Jojo part five ended, which is all about a dude joining the mafia. (laughs) And, um, and as we've established previously, Togashi is clearly a JoJo fan based on, like, a lot of tributes. And, like, they're not subtle. If you go back to Yu Show, there's stuff where it's, like, you took this scene directly from JoJo. So, like, clearly he is a big fan and has said as much in interviews. So I'm guessing that the idea of putting Kurapika into the Mafia may have been seeded from that. Yeah, I mean, the only difference you should say is that the people in, in Hunter x Hunter are more dressed and normally dressed than uh than uh jojo where everyone looks like an italian stripper <laughs> you're not wrong um though i do think like i'd say when we first see basho or basho right um he's like when we saw like the mustache it's like lol this is like some jojo character design <laughs> a little bit with his mustache so yeah i can see it yeah, what's weird about that mustache is, like, that was a common mustache in, like, the 1800s. So he looks oh. like, have you seen photos of, like, Japanese politicians in the late 1800s, early 1900s? No, not really. They have Western Civil War era facial hair, but they're Asian dudes, so it looks <laughs> really weird. <laughs> oh my god, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, so he looks like that. Which I guess, so a lot of former samurai who fought in the Meiji Restoration and the Boshin War, like, did end up growing Western-style facial hair as part of their transition into civilians. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's supposed to be kind of what's going on with Basho as modern-day samurai the way that Kuwabara is. Mm -hmm. 
Also just kind of makes him look like a general street ruffian. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. How do you guys feel about uh, Kurapika's new crew? You haven't learned that much about them, but, uh, you know, Protag Group 2, how are you feeling? Ah, I like them so far. I think it's interesting bunch of characters, how they were introduced in the episode. Uh, at least in the 2011 you can, episode they showed them before they all were at the mansion. So was it Boncho or Bacho? Basho. Basho? Okay, so Basho liked his because he was just on a roof. The police were after him and he was just writing a haiku and got mad at them for interrupting <laughs> interrupting him. So I liked his intro. And uh who was the who was the the girl? Name? There's two girls. Uh the two short girls. one or the tall one? Uh the tall one. So I know Melody, she showed up because she was passing Grappica randomly in the street, and then the 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 kiss girl, Baze. Baze. So her mm-hmm. it was interesting because she initially showed up and she was dressed up to go to a fancy restaurant with a guy behind her. Some gangster dudes approach her and are all sleazy, and she's like, "No, bro, I'm on a job." And I'm this scaredy pants bodyguard, and they're like, "No way!" And so then she uses her non ability, and it sucks because then her client gets scared and he runs away, so oh, she basically God. doesn't get paid. <laughs> so interesting story. Those two intro scenes you're talking about did not happen in the manga. Oh. So when they first show up to the interview, it's just like everyone's in the dark about each other's powers, which. It's arguable about which dynamic you like more. I prefer the, like, no one knows what the fuck the others can do, and even the audience doesn't know, but I can see why they built them up this way, because I think 2011 sort of plays it differently. Yeah, yeah. there's a reason why they do it, and I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but I yeah. think it, it does provide a little bit of um, connection with them, right? Yeah. yeah, more familiarity between the audience, at least, and the characters, I agree. That said, Melody and Basho are, like, two of my favorite side characters. Melody's fantastic. Honestly, I you get to know a little bit more about Melody just as a precursor, but like I want to know more about her. Like I I'd love like a little side story about like what had happened in her life before Spoilers. You can find out a little bit about her by reading up HP Lovecraft's story in the music of Eric Zahn. What? Wait, what? <laughs> Um, when they go like into the her backstory, <laughs> it pretty closely matches the story the music of Eric Zahn. Interesting. Okay, that's kind of cool. Also, found out recently that uh, H.P. Lovecraft was a raging racist. Oh, um, I mean, I yeah. Had no His idea. cat's name oh, was yeah. a good yes. indicator. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I was about to say the cat's name is, yeah, you yep. pretty much guessed that. It's another slur, which I will not say. We're, we're not saying. We're definitely not saying that one. Uh, yeah, Fetty Wap. Fetty Wap. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's name was Fetty Wap. It's very, it's very ahead of his time, actually. He was doing future racism. I think we're like getting kicked off the network. Oh my god! Oh, we Jeremy are on a network. I, I'm so sorry. I forgot we were on a network. I'm just imagining if Jeremy is just like, oh, I'll just take a listen to each of the different Greenlit uh, shows, and he's like, oh god, just hears like, <laughs> just hears the W word twelve times, like Jesus Christ. Um, there was one other thing I was gonna say. Uh, 
Oh, about uh, Basho. Another interesting thing is they eventually talk about it. It's not a huge spoiler, but Basho is like actually from in-world Japan. So he's from the same country as Hanzo, but clearly has a very different subcultural affiliation than Hanzo. The Bozuzuku? So I like that. Huh? <laughs> the Because Bo- he looks like he's like a Bozuzuko. Or... Yeah, like I like okay. how they basically the make biker it clear gangs. that... Yeah. I like how they make it clear that, like, not everyone in Japan is living in the Middle Ages the way Hanzo is. That's just him and his crew. And then, like, it's just like, yeah, other people have literal normal lives, like Basho. As normal as, I guess, a shonen protagonist is, but you get the idea. But, yeah. I'm super hyped for you guys to get further into it. And, um... Danny, Megan, you guys, uh... bristling with excitement as to how the others are gonna perceive what's coming up. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty stoked to hear what happens. Yeah, I I mean if you guys I mean obviously um you guys are you know constantly watching ahead just cuz they left on a cliffhanger at this point, but um that's just going to increase as time goes on. Like the more we get into it, the more you guys are just going to want to keep pressing play and keep watching it cuz um I've binged this show so many times. I can only imagine what you guys are going to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say this is my second favorite season, and part of it is that it's ultra bingeable. Yeah, and I I think that, if I'm remembering correctly, this is kind of the first one that de- delivers some really interesting twists and some things that can't be undone. So, I mean, that's that's the f- turning point, I think, in this in the the show. I'd agree. This is where it goes from... The show to this point has been somewhere between Shonen and Seinen, and now here is just like, oh, this is like the edge of Seinen. Oh, yeah. wow. It gets, this is, the undone stuff is a pretty accurate portrayal. Like, it gets not necessarily dark, it just kind of gets serious. It does get kind of dark, but like. I was gonna say, are you sure it doesn't get dark? Because it, it gets pretty dark. It, really it doesn't get dark. like final, it doesn't get <laughs> second to last arc dark, but it gets pretty dark. The second to last arc dark gave me nightmares at a point. Where two dudes were crawling around. I'm just going to put it that way. And oh sad. I don't know how to explain it farther than that. But Oh, second to last arc is second actual body arc. horror. Like, actual undeniable body, body horror. horror. Actual horror horror. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, uh, that was our uh, summary for this episode. We're going to come back from the break and discuss uh, some research, which we're going to try to get through quickly. But uh, for right now, uh, here's a word from our compatriots and benefactors. Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. Ellen, in 15 seconds, what is Nice Games Club? It's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club. Hey, uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, So now we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into... Jesus and the Apostles, uh, because this has a lot to do with the current season. So, Danny, if you want to take it away. The Phantom Troop 
is uh, clearly Jesus and the disciples is in terms of iconography, direct citation, and some themes. Uh, and Meteor City, where they're from, is based on multiple cities, uh, probably including the Kowloon Walled City, and but also biblical Judea. So let's start with the hunter side and then get to their basis. So Meteor City, it's where the Phantom Troop is from, like I said. The motto is, we'll accept anything you leave here, but don't ever take anything away from us. Uh, Kikyo Zoldik is from Meteor City, according to the series data book, but is not cited in the, the manga or the anime. And Canary is also from there, uh, which is stated in the 2011. Um, and then believed to have been founded by a dictator who wanted to separate the human race, which sounds like American history or any history. Yeah. <laughs> a junkyard city and a massively multi-ethnic society at the crossroads of hunter-hunter society, dumped on repeatedly conquered by great powers and ruled over by a council of elders who debate and debate and debate logically while real work needs to be done. Does not sound anything like any of our governments. Nope. <laughs> but the depiction in at least the 2011 anime, it literally looks like a, sometimes, it literally looks like a junkyard. Yeah, right? it looks like a trash heap. There's like smell yeah. coming off of it and stuff. Yeah, just random, literal dump, like a, yeah, Dumpyard? Trash? Uh, what is it called? A trash dump. I don't know. A yeah. Dump. It's a dump. <laughs> Which actually ties together kind of with the biblical theme, too, in that, like, Sheol was referred to as the trash mm-hmm. dump outside of the city, too. Which, separate, but... Oh, uh, yeah. So the Phantom Troop is also a group of 13 or 12 followers and one leader who represent the will of the oppressed of the war-torn and forgotten city. Uh, the leader is a man with a cross on his forehead who carries a large book with him at all times. And it's right side up, so he can read it. And to avoid spoilers, we will only mention them as relevant to the upcoming information as critical. So uh, a little bit of historical context regarding uh, Palestine slash Israel. I'm going to use those somewhat interchangeable here. And it's not for modern political reasons. It's actually for ancient political reasons because it wasn't called Israel until later in its history. But the region was called Palestine or a variant on that. Um I, it was also called Peliset, but this is just because it's the easiest way of referring to the geographical region in English rather than the country. Um, so from the earliest times during the Chalcolithic Age, which means the bronze part of the Stone Age, a.k.a. the end of the Stone Age, but before the formal Bronze Age started, the early settlement in Jerusalem was in 4500 BC. Uh, in the Bronze Age, from 1500 BC to 1200 BC, Palestine was a vassal state of Egypt, a.k.a. like they sent you know money and shit and sometimes slaves, to Egypt. Uh, And the vassalage ended during the Bronze Age collapse as the Sea People destroyed much of the civilization that existed. Do you guys know much about any of the sentence I just said? Uh, Isn't the Sea People from South Park? (laughs) No, that's Crab People. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I get those two mixed up, my bad. Actually, if I was to make a video about the Bronze Age collapse, I would definitely include Sea People, Sea People, kind of like Sea, sort of like People. Um, but the Sea People are this mysterious force who showed up at the ends of the Bronze Age, who basically ended Western and Near Eastern and African civilization simultaneously. Like, they just, places that had been occupied for thousands of years were suddenly just decimated. Like, lifespan decreased drastically. Like, entire settlements were gone. Places were burned down. The Sack of Troy probably happened during this time. It's unclear. Um, the Sack of Historical Troy, as opposed to Mythological Troy. But the mythological Troy is based on the sack of real Troy. But basically every major Bronze Age civilization ended simultaneously, including 
Egypt, but New Egypt showed up and they were like the successors, but most all other civilizations kind of collapsed, including as far east as India. Uh, it's, a, it's a really weird event, and people hypothesize... far east of Eden. <laughs> God damn it. People hypothesize that it had to do with a lot of um, both social and climatological features, so basically there must have been a large uh, major catastrophe that happened that fucked up food supplies, combined with Bronze Age technology allowing people to uh, do new transportation things that allowed for a greater scale war, and just the decimation of society as it existed at that time. Basically, this was the Dark Age before the European Dark Age, and it was much more widespread and much worse. But we don't hear about it much because the societies that exist today are all the children of the societies that existed post the Bronze Age collapse. Like, the only ones that are not descended in that manner are, like, if you go to China, where they didn't fall through the Bronze Age collapse, and, like, if you go to the New World in, like, the Americas, where they also didn't have the Bronze Age collapse. But uh, the Sea People are relevant here. People are not exactly sure who they were, but they were, like, raiders who came from the north. And the best guesses these days are that they might have been Greeks. Like, but, like, Greeks before Greeks considered themselves Greeks. These were, like, the people referred to in the Odyssey as the Achaeans, as opposed to, like, the people who consider themselves the Hellenes now. So they're, like, the proto-Greeks. And this was before they gave a fuck about, quote-unquote, civilization. And they were just like, nah, man, we're gonna rob, quote-unquote, civilization and uh, get our get our shit. But uh, this brings us to the Iron Age, post-Bronze Age collapse. We're in the period right after 1170 BC, the Philistines, who were probably a colony of sea people, uh, show up in the south of Canaan, uh, which is part of uh, Palestine, and eventually join the rest of Canaanite society. So the sea people ate pork and uh, were uncircumcised, but all of a sudden, as, like fusing with the people there, suddenly pork disappears from their diet and the men start getting circumcised. Uh, these people can be seen as, quote-unquote, the first Israelites and eventually subsumed... Uh, by the rest of Canaanite society. This is not to say that this mix was even, because it was probably a fusion of cultures, but probably genetically there were way less foreigners from the sea people who joined. So you can't say like, oh, Jews are therefore very Greek. It's like, nah, Jews probably have a little bit of proto-Greek in them, but otherwise are a Middle Eastern population at the time. Um, but during this time, uh, Canaanites created the first grapheme-based writing from which all modern alphabets uh, descend. I use the word alphabets because Chinese is not descended from this, nor are the New World uh, pictographic languages. But any phonetic alphabet, including Hebrew, Arabic, English, like the Latin alphabet, like most Indian alphabets, are all descended from this now. So this was a long time ago, just to give you an idea. Um and this is where the Bible starts happening, basically. So some dates that are biblically attested and somewhat supported archaeologically. The United Kingdom of Israel is founded under uh, King Saul in 1020 BC. The first temple is made by Solomon around 1000 BC. And in 930 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah split from each other. Uh, so this brings us to the Assyrian and Babylonian conquest, whereby basically some other groups conquered Israel at various points and interbred with the groups, but it resulted in ethnic splits where the people who are now the Jews didn't recognize their Israeli cousins who had been raped by Assyrians as any Jewish anymore because of fucked up like laws that existed at the time. But then when Babylon took over right after, uh, so this will all become relevant because, uh, 
you'll see why. But when Babylon came through, they did the same thing to the southern kingdom, who are now the Jews, and the Jews suddenly changed the laws such that it's like, oh, yeah, uh, it's matrilineal, so even uh, kids who are produced from rape are still considered Jewish. They did not um, retroactively apply this to uh, the Israelites, a.k.a. the people from the northern kingdom, and uh, so there's a fucked up division there. The northern kingdom people ended up becoming the Samaritans, which is why the Jews and Samaritans do not get along. And that has literally continued from all that way back. That, that's a 2,500-year-old, like, racial animosity. It's uh, real fun. Real, real fun. Oof. That was, uh... That was wild. Yeah. Um, Holy so... Shit. Yeah. So the Jews are then freed by someone who the, like, Jewish scripture describes as a Messiah. Not the Messiah, but a Messiah. Um, and this person is historically attested to. His name is Cyrus the Great. Uh, he was the king of Persia because uh, Israel and uh, Iran, a.k.a. Persia, have had a interesting on-off relationship for, like, millennium, where they've been allies and then bitter enemies at various points. Currently, they're not very happy with each other. But at this time, Persia literally is written into Jewish holy books as having saved the Jews. Yeah, wait, so is Iran technically what was known as Persia? Yeah, so this is this is weird actually. Um Persia at the time had a different name and um Persia is effectively the name derived from like the ethnic group that is the dominant group within what is Iran, but the current name Iran derives from an older word that was the thing that they always called themselves. Like you guys know the term Aryan? Uh unfortunately, yes. Yeah, so Aryan actually has to do with Iran. Like, you know, those people who people who call themselves Aryans would not consider themselves affiliated with. But um, the modern word Iran comes from the same root. And also, interestingly enough, the Indian, the North Indian people are descended from a group that split off from modern Persians while they were still calling themselves the Aryans. So if you look at ancient Hindu texts, they refer to the, the tribe they're from as the Aryans. Interesting. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. It's and so to the Mormons now, man, I don't know. Sorry? It's given credence to the Mormons now. <laughs> I, I, no, Mormon I need some explanation Jesus. on that. Well, the, you know, that that they're all descended, they came from, from there, and then they came to America, and they were they were white, right? Uh, oh, my God. Okay, yeah, that's another <laughs> step. That's like 10 more <laughs> steps further, but yeah, you get the idea. Just had to throw that in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But th- this, one's, this one's pretty well proven by genetics, whereby North Indians, but not South Indians, are actually genetic re- genetically related to, like, Greeks and the English and the like. Which is why also North India tends to have people who have lighter skin and more quote unquote Caucasian, although that's an old term, features. While Southern India is Dravidian, has languages unrelated to Indo-European languages, and like the people tend to be much darker. Um, so yeah, long story. Sh- wow, a lot of stories all at once. But anyways, um, so the Jews were freed by uh, the Persian Cyrus the Great. And in classical antiquity, in 220 BC, Alexander the Great was like, hey, you know what? Fuck Persia. And just overthrew uh, Persia and then culturally Hellenized uh, most of the Mediterranean and replaced a lot of Philistine and Jewish traditions with Greek ones. Persians had only asked for taxes from the Jews, but Greeks wanted people to become culturally Greek, including changing their religion. And uh, this didn't sit well with people, so the Maccabees had an uprising and united the lands into the country of Judea, uh, reuniting northern Israel and southern Judah. And um, you guys know uh, Hanukkah, right? Never heard of it. Yes. 
Yeah, this Adam is the Sandler story of Hanukkah. Me. There's a story uh, of Hanukkah. Yeah, if you ever oh, saw the Adam the... Sandler thing. Oh, okay, I know what Hanukkah is now. Yeah, so, Eight Crazy that, Nights. That's the story yeah, that, of Eight Crazy Nights. That, 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 yeah, okay, now I know what Hanukkah is. Wait, sorry. Wait, Eight Crazy Nights was a story of Hanukkah? No, Eight Crazy Nights is about Hanukkah, but it is about the holiday, not about the story behind it. Oh, okay. Good-ass Christmas movie, though. We're not gonna, or good-ass <laughs> holiday movie, not gonna lie. Love. <laughs> I love. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Yeah, but um, yeah, if you guys want some more information on anything I'm talking about, look into the podcast Apocrypals. They rule. But anyways, so, now, Boner we finally got to where we need to be. Rome. So, around the birth of Jesus... Roman Palestine, like basically, uh, Rome unsettles the, like the Jews fight off the Greeks, more Greeks show up, there's internecine wars for a while, but then Rome is like, you know what, fuck Greek people, and then they just like take over, like, the entire, like, territory of, like, old Greek Hellenized kingdoms, and take over Israel, and so, around the birth of Jesus, Roman Palestine was in a state of disarray, and direct Roman rule was reestablished, and taxes were levied against the Jewish people. Rome separated the kingdom into five districts, among them Galilee, where Jesus is from, and most scholars agree that Jesus was a Galilean Jew, uh, born around the beginning of the first century, and hold that Jesus lived in Galilee and Judea, and was crucified between 30 and 33 CE, at the behest of the Pharisees, aka those who resisted Hellenization and the liberalization of the traditional religion, including uh, sacrifice and, and kosher laws. So... That was a long way of telling you, like, hey, Israel's been, like, a society under turmoil forever, is a mixed society culturally in certain ways, and to some degree ethnically, and uh, tried to hold itself out from other countries, specifically in scripture, referring to all other countries as the nations, while referring to themselves as the Jews, as, like, a distinct group of people. And um, it sort of matches with the idea of, like, the council who don't give a shit about the everyday and were founded as a separatist group. Uh, I like I like how you, when you were saying it's like how you described it like fuck fuck the Greeks. I just imagine just chucking spears at them. It's like you know what I, fuck you guys. To be fair, they were actually probably holding the spears out in front of them and charging at each other. Fair enough. Sarah, take it away. Get to the uh, the twelve apostles. All right. So for the twelve apostles, first we're going to look at them at a more histological perspective. Uh, they, to do this, I watched a documentary. Uh, was it on the? I don't know what who did the documentary, Joe. Was it on BBC or the History I, Channel? It was one of the two. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so I kind of went into the more um, what kind of what Joe was also talking about. What was happening in Judea during the time and giving Paul like more the historical time context of who the apostles were, why they may have joined Jesus, and um what their lives were. So there were 12, um, first being Simon or Peter, or some Gospels refer him as Simon Peter. Uh, there's Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother. There is James. Um, he was Z- Z- Zebedee's son. Uh, Zebedee. Zebedee's son. And there was John. He was James's brother. There was Philip. No relations to anyone. There is Bartholomew, who was also referred to as Nathaniel, but only according to John's gospel. Uh, there is Thomas. There is Matthew. There is James, but he was Alphaeus' son. So it's two James, different dads. No relation, as far as 
you know, I don't know. Um, there weren't many names back then. Yeah. <laughs> there is Thaddeus, who is sometimes referred as Judas, but not that Judas. There is Simon, the Canaanite, or he was also referred as Simon the Zealot. And there was, last but not least, Judas Iscariot. Um, so... Before they met Jesus, they all had their own lives, their own jobs. For example, John, Peter, Andrew, and James were fishermen. Um, Matthew was a tax collector, meaning he had money, but everyone probably hated him. Um, while with Jesus, um, they also had their own roles within, like the just within what the documentary referred to as the Jesus movement with Judas Iscariot in particular being the treasurer, meaning he handled all the money and handled all the donations and how they're distributed among the people and any donations they receive themselves. And for the other disciples, it's not really known what they've done. Um, the only one that they kind of knew about was about Simon, um, the zealot, he was called that because he strictly upheld Jewish religious law. Um, there's also a, a somewhat controversial theory that uh, Simon, the other James, and Jude were possibly Jesus's brothers, um, either biological or their stepbrothers. It wasn't really; it's not really known. Um, so, j- just. Uh, a, a note there that's controversial in some churches and super accepted in other churches um i don't think anyone considers them them full bio but like it's more like mm-hmm. oh half bio or step in some churches right. and then like i think the catholic church explicitly says they're not i might be wrong on that but i know that it's different across churches yeah one of the translations refers to james as the brother of jesus mm. yeah it's it, again it's step but like that they do refer to him that way. Big bro, Je- uh, little bro, Jesus. <laughs> I think it would be the big brother, wouldn't he? Unless it was Joseph's son before he married Mary. I don't know. My bro, it's, Jesus. It's um, it's a, it's ambiguous because it depends on if you think they're half. Because if they're half, then it's post Jesus, and if you think it's step, then they're before Jesus. But like, they never clarify ages. Post Jesus is a really good genre of music, by the way. <laughs> Noise in that one. <laughs> um, so back to the disciples. So as a group, they had a bunch of differences. So of course, that means a lot of infighting, but they always managed to sort things out, particularly under the leadership of Jesus himself. That is until Judas Iscariot betrayed them. Um, and We'll get into more of that betrayal uh, a little bit later. Uh, it's, it's important to note that after Jesus died, um, there's an important event like Pentecost. So that was the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples of Jesus. So they were really, they were basically in hiding um, from the Jewish authorities. And, uh, and obviously very sad that their uh, leader had been, had been killed. So... They were they weren't sure what was going on, what they needed to do, and then Jesus popped up and he was like, "Hey guys, I'm alive!" And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're all fired up. We're gonna spread the good word and go out and preach and let everyone know what's up." 
And yeah, so uh, other than the notes, so like you mentioned before, the everyone, the disciples, Jesus were from Galilee. It was under Roman rule at the time, um, just before um, or even during the childhoods of Jesus and the disciples. Um, there was a huge revolt in the town of Sepphoris. Um, they were revolting against Roman rule and the t- and I think was it the taxes? I don't remember specifically. Either way, the revolt did not turn out well because the Romans ended up uh, putting it down by killing all the inhabitants or selling them as slaves. It caused kind of like a domino effect and turned Galilee into a very hotbed for rebellion. There were a bunch of bandit leaders who the people um, would eventually follow. They lived up in caves and from there they did a bunch of resistance movements against the Romans. Um, the economy of Galilee uh, and Judea at the time was not good at all. There is a lot of hefty taxes on the people and they got little to no benefits in return. So probably one of the reasons that the disciples initially joined Jesus were for financial reasons. So they could have seen him as a potential leader um, against the Romans in the unjust tax collecting system, um, so which makes it very interesting in and why Matthew, who was a tax collector, why he joined them because he was living the good life. Um, so the fact that it, the reasons why he would give that up in order to join Jesus is very, uh, I don't know. It's interesting to see what, what was going on through his mind when he decided to do that. And so Jesus and the disciples, what they did. They went out to the different villages in Galilee and they preached about God and salvation. But in order to survive, they also provided faith healing services and that would get them literally bread and any other provisions that they needed in return. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone has anything to say or I can just I'll kind of try to sum up the rest. Um. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I just want to make clear, I probably should have said this at the top, but yeah, we're trying to treat this um, both in terms of the tradition, because oftentimes, even if something isn't, quote unquote, exactly in accordance with historical record, the tradition is what matters, because when you make art references, generally you're referencing tradition, but we're also going to talk about the uh, archaeological and historical foundations of it, because I think those are relevant because there are parallels and some of it is well established, both archaeologically and uh in accordance with biblical tradition there's some things where it's just like you can take the faith and like god powers part as like what you believe personally but that's less important for this comparison as is the structure of the group and the circumstances they come from right right and with the taking the historical perspective in mind it's not that much different from the biblical perspective so the until uh, after the death that, that's where yeah, it diverges after, yeah. tremendously <laughs> yes so at least in like during in the apostles remain disciple of jesus according to mark's um, gospel uh, jesus sent them out to uh, not only heal the sick but also drive out demons um they the later gospels also describe their mission uh, was to preach the gospel to all nations, whether it be Jew or Gentile. Um, Paul's 
gospel emphasize that the apostles played an important role in the church of God, um, that the household of God was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. I, I want to add a little bit here. Uh, yeah. So in particular, uh, the Bible refers to the two brothers, the sons of Zebedee as the sons of thunder. Oh, yeah. Which is Ooh. an awesome title. It's like uh, Voenergus or something. I don't know. It's some Greek word. It is uh, Voenergus. Yeah. It's only referenced one time, but it kind of shows up as they're doing their ministry with Jesus because they tend to be a little bit fiery. So, for example, uh, in what Luke nine fifty three to 56... It's like, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, sons of thunder, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And then they went on to another village. And it's just like... That's such a boner jizz guy, right? Uh, Okay, yeah. So just to clarify, uh, Danny, (laughs) I listened to a... um, podcast called Apocrypals, which is a really good uh, biblical show, does biblical scholarship, but also kind of has fun with it, etc. The guys are non-believers, yeah. but they treat it respectfully. The Bonerges thing is because one of them didn't know how to pronounce Greek, so he's like, okay, I know we try not to curse on this show, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how to pronounce this word. He's like, describe the two of them as Bonerges? And then the other one who knows Greek and like has a degree in classical studies just like burst out laughing. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yes. Um, but was it was it also them who, when Jesus was captured, one of them pulled a sword and cut off a dude's ear? Yes. Okay, of course. Of course it's them. Yeah. So they're very, Some very fiery. Ones. And so they were also, they were one of the three closer disciples to Jesus. So it was uh, James, uh, oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, there were three of them. So they were like, they even had some infighting at some point about like who was going to be at the right and left hand uh, of Jesus when they were ascended to heaven. In particular, their mom showed up and started ta- asking Jesus like, which one of my, my sons are going to be, uh, you know, next to you guys, right? And he's I like, I didn't know their mom was there. That's amazing. Not not for me to say. I mean, really. And then it's like, and then the other 10 were just mad at the at those two. Y'all and brought your mom like, for this? Yeah, right. So I was like, oh, okay. So, I, I mean, the, the fact that they had infighting a little bit as to, like, who's the, the greatest disciple um, also seems to relate to potentially some of the Phantom Troop stuff later, which we might get to. But For sure. Um, speaking of, you mentioned the mom. You can go on now. I, I know Jesus was, like, <laughs> I know Jesus was, like, 30 uh, spoilers when he, you know... Did you just put a spoiler warning on the Bible? (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler, Jesus uh, gets crucified, just in case you're wondering. Are you kidding me? I just just finished the Old Testament yet. They're still on the Old Testament, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You you don't want to spoil the I still haven't finished it, Megan, thanks. (laughs) Oh, well, you also have to deal with the part skippers who went straight to the Quran and then are just like, what happened to that Jesus guy? (laughs) I hate part skippers, that's the worst. Gosh, anyway, ethics aside... Um, so he was like, in his, his followers would have been young men too, theory, or well, his apostles would have been young. Cause we never, like, I went to Catholic school. We never really talked about their ages. Cause it's not like, is it specifically stated in the Bible, their ages? It's not, uh, not particularly. I think maybe with one or two of them, you have like relative ideas. Cause I think John is described as a little bit older. Like he was a, like a toddler when Jesus was born. But I think other than that, nothing is known. 
Because now I'm assuming, like, as an adult, now I'm assuming that they're all younger than Jesus. And if Jesus was, like, 30-ish, these guys would have been, like, in their 20s, right? 20s, early 30s? Or are they older, younger? It doesn't really matter. I think they might be younger than that. But, yeah, no, it would be in that range, though, because obviously their fathers are still alive and the life expectancy wasn't that mm, long then, too. Okay. So, potentially, these, these apostles were even teenagers, right? They could be, but a lot of them were working uh, yeah. like as fishermen and as the people. So it's possible. One, okay. Luke was a doctor. So, I mean, some of them, they're probably middle-aged. Like, they're around Jesus' age, I, I think, primarily. Okay. Just curious, because the mom steps in. I'm thinking, like, they're, like, <laughs> 20, and, like, they're, like, you know, this mom's like, the fuck, man? Like, which one's better? Which one? Wait. <laughs> Stupid question. I know not all of the apostles were ethnic Jews. Some of them were Greeks who were accepting yeah. Jesus' word and kind of becoming Jews. But um, were were the Sons of Thunder Jewish or not? I believe they were. Okay, that's amazing because that means their Jewish mom showed up. And it was just like, oh, my <laughs> sons. <where are> they? <laughs> well, she was one of the ones present at the crucifixion of Jesus. So the only oh, apostle who remained at the crucifixion was John and his mom, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny it's like all the other disciples all bailed at some point where you know like peter denied jesus three times and then the other ones were like in hiding trying to not get arrested um so it's was... interesting to think about because you would think if he was around that scene people would be like yo man it's that guy and that he would have been caught a lot earlier than getting all the way to patmos right and again like facebook wasn't a thing it's not like they could like verify by like checking you like no i'm not john i'm joe I'm Joan. I think at the time they probably didn't care so much about him uh, because they, if they killed Jesus, they thought the movement would have died. That's but, true. You know, when it didn't die with him, that became a bigger issue. And I think that's why Peter was freaking out because he's like, I'm going to die too if, if they know I'm associated with him. So I'm going to like distance myself from Jesus uh, so that I don't die today. <laughs> Basically. Oh my God. <laughs> So. All right, so we're going to go into the most controversial apostle of all, Judas, in his infamous portrayal of Jesus. So uh, Judas, he um, was the one of the 12 original apostles, as we said before, and in John's Gospel, it specifically mentioned Jesus telling them that one day one of them would eventually betray him. And spoilers, guess who it was? It was Judas. Um, and so, we need to give timestamps, man. <laughs> uh, in according to Matthew's gospel, Judas betrayed him for thir- Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. Um, he basically got Jesus arrested by the soldiers of the high priest. Caliphus, um, who then turned in Jesus over to Pontius Pilate, and that kind of led to, that basically led to his execution slash crucifixion, and the way that Judas identified Jesus was with a kiss on the cheek, and there's a very famous painting with that exact scene um, called the Kiss of Judas. Forgot who it's by, but... um, yeah, in, in Mark's gospel, they kind of explain that the reason why the chief priest wanted to arrest him, um, but 
they didn't want to do so during Passover in case it would cause the people to riot since Jesus was a growing influence within the region. Um, so they decided to do it the night before Passover. Um, Luke's gospel says that uh, Satan had possessed Judas um, before the time of his betrayal. And then in John's gospel, they also mentioned that Judas, he was carrying all the disciples' money at the time. Um, and that he possibly said that he was going to take the money to the poor, but kept him for itself. Meaning that he was not only a snitch, he was also a thief. And yeah. And, um, basically... What happened to Judas at the end, his ultimate fate after his betrayal was that he died. And the way that he died differed between different gospels and also from the act from the book of Acts. Um, so in J Matthew's gospel, Judas was filled with remorse and he tried to return the bribe money he received. He was rejected and then committed suicide. Uh, by hanging and then the other gospels are like wait i don't know how to describe it basically the book of acts and then yeah and then also there was a um literature by called the expositions of the sayings of the lord by the church father papius um of Herapolis. both books describe Judas basically blowing up <laughs> like he swelled up so much and he basically he blew up either all over the field that he bought with the bribe money or yeah I think both me books mentioned that and it was it just was very it sounded very graphic can I tell <laughs> you something that makes that even better what I'm pretty sure I might be wrong on this but uh I think I'm right. The name of that field is now Hakaldama, which means the field of blood. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeez. <Yep. laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so either way, Judas did not meet uh, a good fate after what he did, um, which makes it really interesting on the Gnostic perspective of Judas. So, are, are you guys aware of what Gnosticism is, or...? Is there anyone who's not is more accurate? Because I know it, at least a couple people are. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure what it is. I don't know if you really know. Just in short, show. it's essentially people a second generation after. Uh, I think about two hundred years, three hundred years after the death of Christ, um, that wrote uh, new writings, and they were actually like a different group. They kind of defined different um theology from from what had been written in like the, the the gospels and the writings of paul but um they're writings that are not considered like canon quote unquote from uh like a lot of cr christian religious traditions but that they are um different books that 
cover i mean there were a group of people but like their their writings cover uh the period after that but they were written about jesus after he was dead like uh the gospel of thomas for example is a, is a gnostic gospel um it was not written when Tom, by thomas or when thomas was alive but they found the manuscripts later joe you probably have something else to add to that yeah the general classification of gnosticism is it's like a world belief that's like dualistic um believing that there's effectively like a supreme good and a supreme evil. And like that takes many different forms, oftentimes conflating the material world with like evil and that the human spirit is divine and from God and like belongs to a heaven beyond heaven. And that the, and some go so far as to say that the God of the old Testament is a fake God and that like true Jesus and the Lord exist beyond that. And that the Jews were deceived. That's that varies tremendously across different schools um, with some Gnostic sects in while involving Christ considering themselves Jewish and some involving Christ considering themselves Christian as different from Jewish. Cause for at least a hundred years, there wasn't a major distinction at the time. Cause even people who consider themselves quote unquote, purely Jewish were like, Oh, Jesus was a cool rabbi who died. Uh, but like, they didn't think of him as God, but like, so Gnosticism is like a very wide field that also got incorporated into certain schools of Islam. Uh, and some of the schools still exist to this day, but they're very small, and none of the ones that currently exist are still associated with Christianity. Uh, and there was one that got as far west as Spain, and there's one that got as far east as China, to the point where there was a Chinese monastery that looked Buddhist from the outside, but were like secret Gnostics inside until about, I think, 1300 AD. Wild. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and uh, there was in a Gnostic Gospel of Judas, so um, this has been rejected by the Proto-Orthodox Church as heresy, and the book itself consists of conversations between Jesus and Judas, and it portrayed Judas's betrayal uh, as something that he did under Jesus's instruction. Uh, it also said that Judas was the only disciple who understood the true meaning behind um, Jesus's message. Um, it kind of going back into what Joe and Dan were explaining about, like the differences of the beliefs in terms of like the physical world and the true divine, um, and that all the other disciples misinterpreted Jesus's preachings as that um, true salvation. Um, had to be through some sort of physical sacrifice or being a martyr under Christ's name and doing so that means you would be bodily resurrected and saved um, but instead it, it was that true salvation lines with being bracing the internal God uh, this is what kind of getting it, or the divine power within uh, the human like basically what had humans forgotten and by embracing that um, then you enter the imperishable realm after dying. And so since Judas was the only one who understood it, he was able to, Judas, he was the only one who Jesus was able to actually teach like the true meaning of salvation and humanity and God, essentially. Mm -hmm. So real quick, I want to bring up uh, mm -hmm. a probably the most famous Gnostic text that most people have day-to-day -day exposure to. Um, the Matrix. 
The Matrix is an incredibly Gnostic text on purpose. Um, it has recently come out, uh, as was suspected for a long time, that it was a trans allegory because the, the two uh, directors um, are two trans women who were undergoing that at the time. But a lot of the iconography and a lot of the ideas are Gnostic in nature, um, such as the material world that he, he sees is a corruption and like a veil over the eyes of people. Uh, when the true world lies beyond and also within, and that uh, a lot of some schools of Gnosticism believe that uh, Thomas had the ability to also become a messiah, but because of his doubt, couldn't do it. And Gnostics are like, yo, man, but what if he did? And so if you look at Neo's name before Neo renames himself, which is also part of the trans allegory, it is Thomas Anderson, a.k.a. Doubting Thomas, Son of Man, because Anders comes from Andres, uh, which is Greek for man, and Anderson. So Thomas, the Son of Man, which is part of biblical tradition as well. So if you guys really want a good view on Gnosticism with something that is commonly accessible and understood, just look at the Matrix. Um, yeah, so, um, we're gonna go next into people who tried to be like the apostles. So, one obvious one was Van Gogh and his apostles. So, Vincent Van Gogh was a posthumous, famous, um, artist who, among other things, tried to establish an artist commune with 12 friends in the manner of Jesus and the disciples, who he strived to be like. Van Gogh holds a special place in Japanese popular culture, having been obsessed with it and being kind of known as the first weeb. I had no idea about this, and I took art history. <laughs> so he's seen, um, mentioned. Uh, I was literally. It's in the notes. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't realize. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. So he's mentioned a good amount of anime. He's mentioned in a good amount of anime and manga. Like, for example, Samurai Shampoo and the Get Backers. Um, yeah, and so going into, like, more of the anime, for example, Yu Hakusho, we have Sensui, the Six Psychics, and Sensui's Six alternative personal Alternate Personalities. Um, kind of like spoil spoilers, but in the show, the group is treated as seven, and then you find out that there's actually seven more of them making a total of 14 but two are one person and are held out from the other people so really one leader and 12 followers so you have sensui who um represented kind of like um the seven sins so six psychics plus sensui so you have pride sensui envy Seaman, Seaman, um, Gluttony, Gourmet, Lust, Itsuki, Wrath, Sniper, Sloth, Game Master, Greed, The Doctor. and then Basically, you... it just got a lot more biblical than we thought. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You don't have to list out the, the next one, but just say the, the headline of it. Yeah, and then there's like the seven contrary virtues, aka the six non-sensory personalities within sensui and you can when you watch this show you see it jump out so um then you have the reliance on betrayal aka our man seaman is judas 
so this is a gnostic judas where like Mm. the jesus figure clearly clearly was like oh yeah one of you will betray me and it will be sick (laughs) and who would have thought it'd be our man seaman what's his name in the what's his real name uh kiyoshi mitarai yeah mitari i think was like the english dub yeah um yeah, so Sensui is like kind of seen as feeling really moral, and it, he's kind of like the critique of the Super Saiyan concept. During his transformation, we talked about right. that when we were covering Yu Hakusho, but he's kind of a weird combination of like a Satan like figure, but also a Christ like figure, mm-hmm. which, you know, that applies pretty well to the person who will show up in Hunter x Hunter. Right. And then we're going to another classic anime. I, I can do this one because, like, okay. um, I don't think you've watched this, right? I watched a little bit, but um, uh, my fiance is a bigger fan of Berserk. So if you want to go, go for it if you want. I have, like, a whole text dump here, but I'm just going to summarize it with, like, there are two possible dark messiahs in Berserk, both of whom are kind of Christ and Antichrist at the same time. And uh, they're both at war with each other and uh one of them has a group of demons under his command called the apostles one of which predates him and is clearly supposed to be his john the baptist figure and then also he has like a a cohort of like four like demigods who are under his uh will as well and um can be seen as sort of the uh the four apostles and then there is the distinction between the Christ-like figure in Griffith and the actual figure of the Old Testament God in, in the God Hand, who is a separate entity in Berserk. So I, I don't want to go much beyond that, but just know Berserk is like super Gnostic Bible mystheism. It's cool. Cool. Awesome. And so kind of tying everything together, why does all this information relate to each other? Well... Crollo specifically compares himself and the others to the disciples and will be introduced to these characters in the next few episodes. So, yeah. He also very clearly says, like, he he definitely talks about the Gnostic interpretation of Judas. He specifically says, like, I don't think Judas betrayed him more like he was in on it, bro. (laughs) Which is very interesting given what happens. (laughs) Danny, were you about to say something? I just said wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Wink, 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 wink. Well, careful. Morse code, you don't want to give away anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm now wondering what that was in Morse code. Um, but, yeah. No, what's interesting is this gets even more complicated after the anime, which we'll eventually get to the manga. But, like, I'm curious how well this metaphor goes as we go on through the season. The reason I wanted to do this now as opposed to after is because I, I want you guys to be thinking in this mold as we go through it so you can see the parallels as opposed to having to like retroactively look at them and we kind of have a common basis for us to talk about. Um, but yeah, I guess like what do you think about Danny and Megan having seen this before? Like how much of this do you think is a stretch? How much of it do you think is there? Well, I'll start. Uh, I think, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a stretch in that like I think with most anime uh, adaptations or borrowing uh, ideas from like Christianity or other religions it's like yeah it's like the symbolism is there and like they borrow some things from it but obviously it's not like a it's not going to be an exact analog however uh, that being said it is kind of interesting because I mean 
if you look at the way that some of the disciples, you know, ended up with their lives or how they did things, it sometimes they relate and sometimes they don't. For example, uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but uh, you know how I talked about the Sons of Thunders. Well, James is one of them. He's the first uh, disciple to die uh, after Jesus is resurrected. Think about that. Nice. And uh, not only that, the two of them, it's just so funny when they, in the, when they're introduced, Jesus is like, sees them fishing and he's like, Hey, come join me. And they're like, yeah, okay. I'm just going to give up my career and just run with you. And then after he dies, like between his death and resurrection, they just return to fishing. They just go straight back. So like, I won't give away anything else, but kind of thinking about that analog there, just keep that in mind where, um, the story uh, of these disciples is is different in that like the Jesus disciples are tied to Jesus's message and kind of his person and you'll see that the um the phantom troop maybe has a different motivation as to what what they do afterward um but anyway yeah i i definitely see what you're saying i think um some of it is they're supposed to be set up as like foils rather than like the same so yeah. i think they like invert uh Jesus and and the like, but in some ways are similar, such as coming from the war torn region, right. and like as gradually becomes more evident, like there's a shitty government there that they're not happy about, and that they're kind of like doing things on their own for the people. But the old like men are in just other ways, talk endlessly. <laughs> sorry, the old men are just going to talk endlessly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and but there are other things where they're like importantly different, such as like obviously they're really into money, which was not. Jesus and his disciples thing, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The unwitting devotion to Jesus slash anti-Jesus Crollo. Anti-Jesus, not really right word. Um, Anti-Christ, is that what you're looking for? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> not Jesus, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think Crollo is the anti-Christ necessarily. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a whole nother thing, right? I feel there's a character who is maybe the Antichrist, but he's across from Crollo's Dark Messiah as opposed to being actual Christ. Interesting. Okay. I feel we know him well, actually. Do we? Oh. Oh. <laughs> My gears are turning. Um, but I definitely see the unwitting devotion to a specific man. Um, especially with, were you saying that James and, um, his brother just decided to be like, all right, well, Jesus is dead. So we're just going to go back to fishing. Yeah, they did. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they didn't continue like spreading the word or the gospel or whatever. No, because to them, they said like, he was the Messiah. He's the Messiah. And he was saying, you know, that thing. And they expected it to be a kingdom on earth. And exactly as, you know, we were, t- we saw they wanted to fix the taxes and everything else but then he died so they're like well <laughs> i guess he wasn't the messiah after all <laughs> but then he shows up so in the story it's actually hilarious hold on one second i gotta get a drink okay in the story they're fishing and jesus shows up but he doesn't they don't recognize him from the shore he just yells at them and they're like fishing and they can't they haven't caught anything they're they're professional fishermen and they were out there since the early morning or whatever and they didn't catch anything. And then this guy from the shore yells, yo, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And they're like, yeah, okay. So they do that. And then they get like a load that they can't carry. And it's this huge thing. And the nets don't break. And and then they all realize, they're like, wait, no, that is Jesus. Okay, never mind. He's alive. And so it's like this, 
this weird analog where they don't even know, they don't recognize Jesus from the shore because he looks different, he acts different, and then all of a sudden he performs a miracle, or what they would view as a miracle, and then they show up and, and realize that it's him. So it's kind of like funny that they still, even after they see him, they don't really see him. Um, and I don't know if, if that, because the anime actually doesn't get past too much. I don't know if that will actually come into play later or not in the manga, but... I yeah. think they diverge a lot from the Jesus stuff after okay. um, in the manga because it starts getting like, man, I can't even say without like incredibly yeah, spoiling can't. stuff, but like... Maybe we'll talk offhand or maybe I won't and I'll just read it. You should read it, dude. It's so good. Like it's some of the best... It's just coming out so slowly, but it's like some of the best manga. I'm so excited. Also, they're they're on a... They're on a fucking Noah's Ark like boat right now which is weird now that I think about it <laughs> well that's for a later episode I think oh are you talking about the straight like the manga yeah oh interesting like uh, the world didn't end but they are on a boat that is, is full of a like lot of things <laughs> two of everything um except for a unicorn <laughs> um have you ever heard the explanation why like we don't have like the mystical beings is because they didn't get on the ark no. <laughs> like, that's why we don't I, have unicorns, because they didn't get on the Ark. I've dinosaurs. mostly just seen <laughs> dumb webcomics about this exact idea. Maybe that is. Maybe that was just a webcomic, and I thought it was, like, from one of my, you know, school days. Um, but what I was really saying is that, back to whatever my original point was, which was nothing, but um, Jesus' whole thing was, yeah, he was the Messiah, but he he wanted to spread things onward right after he like passed away he wasn't supposed to be like the only person and i think that's kind of similar to what crollo does or wants to do essentially is that um you we learn i don't know if this is a spoiler or not but crollo's part of crollo's mission is that the spider isn't just him right it's Mm -hmm. everyone absolutely it's a group of them it's you know even if the spider die, like the spider will never die if only one of its legs are cut off, um, and he's just one of the legs, essentially in his little analogy. I think he's the head. I don't remember if he actually mentions that he's the head or not. But like, yeah, they they kind of fuck up that metaphor because they're like, yeah, even if the head's gone, we still got to work, and it's just like, wait, <laughs> that's not how spiders work. <laughs> wait, it's like that's how uh, Medusa works, or I don't know, one yeah. of those other Greek mythical creatures. Yeah, like Cerber Earth. Thyribus? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I just no. had a weird thought. Go ahead. How many members are there of the Fast and the Furious crew? <laughs> God damn it. You know, I, in the beginning, there were only like six, but I think by now, I don't know, it might be, might be pushing on 12. <laughs> I'll check that out later, but I'm now really morbidly curious if Vin Diesel is trying to make himself into a Christ figure. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that have you cool. watched the Riddick series? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. That's a very good point, actually. Which he owns the, I think he owns the movie rights to now. I think he yep. does. Yeah. He second mortgaged his house <laughs> to put out the third one. Weird. Um, yeah, but I'm I, I'm very interested to see like what parallels you guys find as we go forward and just kind of setting that stuff up because I do think there's some things there, but it is always curious dealing with Japanese analogies to 
like Christianity just because some of it is like superficial. Like in the case of Evangelion, like the author has basically said that it's kind of superficial and it's mostly just like a naming convention while the themes that he actually wanted to explore were like psychological. But like, I think in this case there's more than just a skin, skin deep meaning, but that it's not one-to-one. It's more like one to negative one or one to I, the imaginary number. I think that I agree with that for sure. There's definitely uh, quite a few parallels here and seeing it and knowing the story, um, it does relate. And, you know, Yadu almost goes so much just to say their personalities. Uh, he may have taken some liberties there too with, the, you know, the Nen personality test. Mm-hmm. I, I'd also point out, uh, so the reason I thought of Fast and Furious is this season is about friendship and family in a way that you will surprise you. Um because it's not the way that you're expecting, probably, uh, for people who haven't read it. So uh, the idea of, like, self-sacrifice and... Because, you know, in the Bible, Jesus was willing to die for all man. Um, here, it's multi-directional. People are willing to die for each other because they're such great homies. Yeah. It's a very Japanese thing. At least in anime, it's portrayed that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's still a thing in Japanese culture generally, but I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know about like what that would be like nowadays. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm American as it gets, but I am a weeb. So, you know, I can say (laughs) that I've watched a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, I think that's, I think that's, uh, it for this episode. It went quite long, but I think we got some, uh, valuable stuff here. If you guys, uh, and the audience have some interesting comments for us, please hit us up. Or if you want to chew us out, um, just know we're all coming from pretty different, uh, like philosophical and religious backgrounds. So we tried to be as even handed about things as possible. Yeah. And thank you guys for having me. I appreciate uh, being on the episode and it's good to talk. Yeah. Thanks for thanks joining for us. Joining us. So, uh, Megan, if you want to take us out. Of course. But before we go, Danny, tell the good people where they can find you. My shameless plug is for my podcast, Denny and Spenny's Burger Search. You can find us on Instagram, Denny Spenny BS. And we just eat burgers in Cincinnati and talk about them. It's just a really low-key podcast, and we may or may not uh, read people's reviews and funny voices. So check that out. And if you're ever in the market for some graphic design polyrhythm studio uh you can check us out at polyrhythm.studio and see our work there thanks thanks again danny and thank you listeners for all your support a special shout out to two of our patrons patrons Mm. kenny h and deanna keep an eye out for deanna's new pod coming out soon named a crack in the classics find deanna's podcast on twitter at classics cracked and if you want a shout out or just to support, please check us out at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod, where not only you'd be helping us out a ton, you can join our Patreon-only Discord, where we will be discussing this shit out of Hunter, UU, and so much more. Speaking of Discord, if you want in but don't have the funds, you can help us another way and give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Send us the link, your Discord username, and enough evidence to connect them both to you, and we got you. Each review gets us surfaced to tens or even hundreds more people. As always, please hit us up with questions, requests, or just chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Um, also, heads up, today's intro music was made by Studio Mega Ane. Check them out on YouTube 
Twitter, and most importantly, iTunes. See you on the other side. So Machine.